Hey, you're listening to Sit Down For Real, a new podcast for anyone interested in movies, especially the making of movies. I'm Mason Coyle, and each week I will be joined by various guests, including directors, actors, writers, people who will share their hands-on experience of the filmmaking process and discuss either the topic of the week or a movie review. If that sounds like something you're into, perfect. If not, stick with us anyway. We're not famous yet, but that doesn't mean we aren't entertaining. Sit Down For Real is made by a group of creatives, collaborating across numerous projects in the hopes of turning our passions into careers. We hope this podcast will be a platform where we can cultivate our skills and share what we learn with you, our audience. If you ever have a comment, question, suggestion, or a nice review, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook at Sit Down For Real. That's real, R-E-E-L, like a film reel. It's a pun. You understand. Anyway, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Now on with the show. Hello all and welcome to Sit Down For Real, where we talk movies from script to screen, high budget to no budget, whether it's the film of the year or your first film ever. We're here to discuss the filmmaking process and the movies we love and sometimes hate. I'm your host, Mason Coyle. With me today is Dylan and Levi. What's up, guys? Hey. I introduce you. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're trying to figure it out. I'm not sure which I like better. (laughs) Uh, I guess it just depends on uh, how lazy I am. <laughs> That's fair. And I don't know. It, it's just a question of like how people actually want the audience to know that they are. I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing, so I don't like to put pressure on it, but that's why I just do first names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I want to start off with some news, uh, just an update for everybody. We're going to keep the voting open on our Facebook group. We have a poll for our... Uh, hopefully upcoming segment book versus film series we're trying to get a book uh, selected for our first of that series I I still think as of now it Stephen King's it uh, is still in the lead um, but we're gonna keep that voting open probably till the 22nd I believe mm-hmm. um, and then we'll, we'll go from there uh, but if you're interested in comparing uh, or listening to us compare uh, the stories from the books that have been made into movies talk about the differences, um, which ones worked in better ways, yada, yada, yada. I think it's going to be a very interesting series. I'm looking forward to it. But go ahead and find our Facebook group, Sit Down For Real, uh, and check out that poll if you're interested. Okay, um, on other news, which is not very recent probably, especially by the time this gets aired, but I'm just curious what you guys have to think about uh, Mulan on the Disney streaming service it's going to be like 30 bucks to basically add it to your subscription. Um, any thoughts on that? This is news to me but that sounds dumb. <laughs> that sounds dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's something that they just said um, I think Monday this week was it? Monday or Tuesday? It was pretty recent. Yeah. Um, and I I get it. I get not wanting to continue to delay it, continue to delay it. They, like, it makes sense. Um, it sucks in terms of, like, it definitely is pushing movie theaters to the point where, like, movie theaters aren't going to be opening until end of September, October, maybe even beyond that. Um, it just kind of depends how the rest of the pandemic goes. Um, but it, it just, it sucks in that aspect. And... I understand why they're saying like $30 and you can add it because they still want to make money on it. It's just also one of those things like if I'm spending $30 on something, I want a DVD copy. <laughs> um, so I understand where they're coming from, but it's, 
like if they put out like thirty dollars, you get a pre advanced order of a DVD copy, and you get early access to it on Disney Plus. That's something I would understand, but the fact that it's one movie online for thirty bucks, like if it was like, hey, you can rent it for five dollars or own it on Disney Plus for ten, or you can get early access with the DVD now. That's something I would think make more sense. Um, but from a company standpoint, they they feel like they have to because they were expecting big box office numbers and they're not going to get that now. Right. Um, so it's a way for them to kind of cut their losses. But it 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 truly sucks. I would think that they probably would have a, enough people going in for like the $10, like you said. To, I mean, it's probably going to break records of some sort anyway, just like what was it, Trolls earlier this year mm-hmm. um, kind of smashed the... Uh, on demand or whatever it was uh, but it's crappy situation I guess but I, I think it's larger in the sense of you know the streaming services I see it as like kind of a revolutionary advance in the way we do movies just like you know uh, the invention of TV changed the game of our storytelling in a big way and then as cinema changed it's just like a ne- another progression, I think. And getting it to the point where I think it would make more sense, uh, like, have your normal subscription rate for basically everything that Disney does now, and then an extra $5 a month for all the new stuff. Mm-hmm. That would be something I'd be more interested in. That being said, I'll probably go ahead and still pay the $30, because my girlfriend wants to see it, and I think it'll be a good review for the, for the show. Um, especially if everybody out there is going to be renting it as well, or not renting it, but getting it with Disney. Just a crazy world we live in right now. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. I, like, again, I understand why Disney's doing it. Um, just the fact that they're doing it through their streaming service instead of just in general is what kind of weirds me out about it, because it's like, I'm paying for your streaming service, and now you're going to make me pay for this movie that you're putting on here. But that means if somebody doesn't have Disney Plus already, they're going to have to pay for a subscription to Disney Plus and for the movie. Like, it it just seems like a a shitty way of going about it. I, like, I get it. I'm not going to complain about them, like, releasing the movie for rent or purchase or whatever online. Like, that's where we're at right now, um just as a society, as the pandemic keeps going on, and I think it's something that's going to be a little more popular, um, just in general, um, over the next couple of years, but I just, the way they're like, no, it's a Disney exclusive, you're going to have to pay for this, and pay for the movie, and it just, it's one of those, like, I feel like there's a better way to do it without making it, making it such a, like, Disney-only cash grab. I'm gonna say I think I like Mason's idea of like however much for just Disney Plus as it is and then pay five or ten dollars more for a month for a like essentially a pre release so you get all the movies that haven't made it to DVD yet. Mm-hmm. Um, all the newer movies that aren't on DVD just like a couple days after they get released in theater would be a really cool way to do it, but I doubt that that's how they will. Say, on the downside, I think that will negatively affect kind of the cinema experience moving forward. But I think that could work if we get, like, I think we've talked about it on the show before, where we have a lot of remakes and a lot of just, like, that uh, 
material that's getting recycled and recycled, put that on the streaming services where you, you pay whatever, and then leave the cinema for like new original stories. Yeah. That could be a really cool way to move forward, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that we can't control in that. Yeah. That just it's up in the air. That's just but. some optimism for for everybody listening, just to hold on to for a while. <laughs> yeah. I know it'll be difficult for the fact that I know this year it doesn't matter, but for the um, the Academy Awards, you have to have your movie in an LA theater so many days before it's released on any sort of streaming service. So. There would still be some type of delay if they wanted to be eligible for the Oscars. Change the rules. Change the rules. <laughs> I'm going to say, I think they've started changing some of the rules more recently, because I think... I know they did this year because pandemic, but... But I think even, like, Roma, which was nominated two or three years ago, um, was, like, an exclusive streaming on Netflix. There were a couple other Netflix originals that have made a push... Um, they haven't won any of the major awards, but they've been nominated or been talked about. So I think that's something that is slowly like the stigma of, oh, well, it's just a streaming service movie. That means it's bad. I think mm-hmm. we're starting to get past some of that, which is good. Um, but we'll see kind of where everything goes. Right. But uh, that's enough of news. Now if we uh, want to jump back into our topic today, we have a movie review. Extraction is uh, from 2020. I think it was released in April. Um, so it's not exactly recent, but it's about as good as we can do right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, recent enough. Uh, it's on Netflix, available to stream. So if you have Netflix, um, I'd recommend check it out. Um, it's an it's an averagely interesting movie. Um, well said. <laughs> <laughs> it's an action movie. That's it's. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, so let's just go over some details. We got uh, director Sam Hargrave, who I hadn't heard of, but apparently he's the stunt coordinator uh, for Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, uh, Captain America Civil War, um, which explains a lot about um, a lot of the good action in this yeah. one. We're going to get into that. Um, but the main star is uh, Chris Hemsworth and uh, written by the Russo brothers. And this is actually a remake of some sort of the graphic novel uh, Ciudad um, by Andy Parks and the Russo brothers, Um, which I'd be kind of interested in checking out just to kind of see where they went from story-wise. But let's just get over a summary. It's a black market mercenary hired to rescue uh, a kidnapped son of a uh, incriminated crime lord basically in India and that's about it it's a very simple kind of uh, setup and a very simple plot uh, so let's get into it uh, what do you guys got to say you know pre-spoilers it was an enjoyable movie I, it's an action movie it didn't break any of the norms but didn't have to it's an action movie so it was enjoyable as it is yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Like, it was a very stereotypical action movie. Um, it was... It really seemed like it was made as an excuse to make Chris Hemsworth look like more of a badass and <laughs> kind of introduce us to... Uh, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this horribly, but the Rana Deep Huda, um, the other, like... It seemed like the Indian co-star that was signed along. Mm. Um, and he looks like a badass throughout the entire thing, does an incredible job. Um, one of the main antagonists 
kind of, if yeah. you will. Um, yeah, that's a, well, we'll get into that more in spoilers, because I think it's a but interesting yeah, part. Yeah. It just seemed like a movie that was made as an excuse to kind of show off how badass they are, how fit they are, and just kind of exist in that way. Yeah, I think it was just kind of a roller coaster of action scene to action scene. Um, and there were some very cool, you know, uh, hallway scenes, car chases, mm-hmm. uh, knife fights. Um, that was one thing I was kind of surprised by, is, like, during the action scenes and the fights and the car chases, like, there was some actually really, really interesting cinematography and camera movements. Mm-hmm. That kind of surprised me, because normally, like, action, you you have those, like, pans around and such like that during the fight, but it it kind of extended a little beyond that and had, like, very detailed and intentional camera movement. That kind of surprised me a little bit. That is one of the things that I will say, like, it, I was like, yeah, it's an action movie, but, like, it's shot really well. <laughs> right, right. It, it, it really does track the action in a very interesting way. I mean, it's, it's realistic and kind of uh, uh, brutal in a lot of aspects, uh, but it works, and it's, it's uh, intriguing to watch it because of that. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'd say the story was a little flat (laughs) yeah but let's just get into the spoilers but because i mean that's what we do in our reviews we spoil the movie for everybody but i mean i had some i don't can't remember where i kind of heard this movie uh i mean i saw some of the ads for it going for netflix and it was probably on my list but uh i think i heard or read an article something that said it was pretty good and so I went in with I think probably higher expectations than I should have <laughs> yeah because like I said the action stuff lives up but it, it fell a little bit under what I had hoped so that's my kind of recommendation if you just want to watch an action movie a couple cool scenes you can do it it's probably a good movie if you just want to put something on in the background and scroll through your phone or <laughs> you know uh, clean up your apartment whatever it is because you're going to pay attention to the cool bits and the not-so-interesting bits you can kind of just walk away from because mm-hmm. it's not going to change mm-hmm. the story for you. I will say, like, be careful if you're on your phone because there is some of it that is not in English. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I caught myself, like, I was scrolling on my phone and I went, hang on, wait, we have to back up five minutes <laughs> because I missed five minutes of the movie because, like, all of a sudden, like, you go from, like, English action fighting to, like, the cool down of the action of like him talking with um, the kid and then all of a sudden like it cuts to a different scene and you're talking with an Indian crime lord who's threatening to cut off a boy's hand and or no, fingers, fingers. Two fingers. Just fingers. And like all of a sudden like you change to that scene but if you're like I was happened to check my phone at that time and all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, they're not speaking English. Like I'm not registering this. <laughs> So be a little careful with that, but... I was going to say, I thought it was nice how, even with the Indian actors, they just kind of blended multiple languages together instead of, oh, the Chris, which, what are the three Chris's it? Is it? I'm bad at actor names. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. It's not like he was the only one speaking English the whole time to the boy and then them back and forth, and then everybody else spoke Indian. It was a nice mesh back and forth, just... Mm. And it felt like it was natural instead of more of a force type of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but uh, getting into it, you know, we have the setup of a cliche sort of war-torn mercenary, ready to die, you know, pills, depressed. Um, I thought I was actually, I liked his, uh, before that, kind of the setup of him just chilling on the cliffside, and then he just jumps over the cliff into some water. Mm -hmm. It was like, that was a cool introduction, and he laughed at a funny joke. But I, and this goes back to wherever I heard whatever, was that there was like good chemistry between Chris Hemsworth and, and the boy. But I didn't really feel that for most of it. I don't know about you guys. I say it felt like they built some more towards the end of. Because you got to think the boy, he's not about been around his father. His father is in prison for whatever crimes it may happen to be, and he at the beginning of the movie showed just a disinterest or not not necessarily disrespect, but. Uh, didn't really care about the um, person his father put in charge to take care of him. And so I felt like it was a nice setup of not really wanting or not listening or being around that authority. And then Chris came in and showed him how to be brave, which he said he wasn't but actually did being he? brave. Because he that's what I don't get. It's like he just did all the work. The kid, you know, well, I mean, he does have his moment. Yeah, we're in the spoiler section, so I can say, you know, there's that bit, uh, they get refuge, basically, from an old friend uh, of the lead uh, character, who then ends up kind of flipping out and goes to kill the kid in an attempt to save uh, the main character's life, but then the kid kills that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I would say, like, he, Chris Hemsworth's character, Tyler, like, goes out the entire time and, like, like... I'm not brave, like, but is teaching this kid to be brave, but I'm not... We aren't ever really shown the impact of that. Um, I don't think we ever see, like, the kid himself being brave, because even in that scene, it seemed like the kid kind of happened to hear what was going on, came downstairs, may not have known what was happening, but saw they were fighting, um, and just managed to pick up the gun, and was like, I'm picking this up because I know how to use it, but I am terrified. And um, Chris Simsworth's um, character's friend started to step toward him, like, hey, like, put that down, like, hey, like, but he knew enough to know, like, the reason they were fighting is over him. So I think he just kind of instinctively shot. And you can even see, like, in the aftermath of that, like, the kid is just terrified of what just happened. Yeah. So I. I don't think we ever see him cross over to that point of being brave or like this, yes, I am, like, haha, like, I have now been brave, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it was a weird dynamic. I think they did have a good dynamic together. Um, I just, I think in the script it's written to where, like, he doesn't trust Chris Hemsworth's character for a good three quarters of the movie. And then by the time he starts to trust him, it's almost too late. Mm. Um, and that's kind of why I think, like, I'm sure they had great chemistry on set. I'm sure they did great things together on set. But it just doesn't really translate into what you see on screen. Yeah, well, I, I'm not faulting them at all for a lot of the, you know, the acting, the movement. And, you know, even the dialogue, it's, it is what it is. But it's, it's the script, I think, where, that 
houses most of those issues for the characters where these arcs you know you got the kid who I guess is getting brave but how is he really making that transformation other than just by being in a terrifying situation long enough to not be afraid going forward Mm -hmm. and then you have um, Tyler the main character with his uh, arc you know as your standard kind of uh, uh, tortured hero he's sad over the loss of his dead son and you know lost family and he uh redeems himself i vaguely yes like yeah it all in all like the action is excellent in this movie yeah chris we'll hemsworth get to that we've been like chris hemsworth is excellent like the acting is good the action scenes are incredible the fight scenes are incredible the writing of this script it like I said at the beginning, it really feels like it's just written as an excuse to show off two incredible actors being badasses, mm-hmm. but they didn't really think past that. Right. I think we should move into that. <laughs> we, I think we pointed out the flaws, but let's talk about what's really working well here, and I think we discussed this. It's the action scenes, and that's going to happen if you have a director who's basically, his thing is stunt coordination and, and, mm-hmm. and really being... Um, down to the details about how to make that work, how to make it look good, how to make it uh, visually interesting and different from what we've seen before. Um, so, in my mind, I always like to like, I compare everything now after watching Netflix's uh, Daredevil, the hallway fight. Anything that meets meets that caliber for me feels like that's a cool action scene. Um, and like I said, this movie has like three or four of those. I'm like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so starting off, there's the immediate extraction scene where the kid's uh, tied and gagged in the one room or blindfolded, and uh, Chris Hemsworth takes out a room of bad guys. Uh, do you guys like that one? <laughs> <laughs> I would say, like, yeah, it was entertaining. Um, it seemed... Like, he's outnumbered, like, 12 to 1, so it seems yeah. a little unrealistic that all 12 of them, like, weren't ready to just shoot. Yeah. Like, it's like, they take their turns in waves of three, but, like, that's... Standard, standard bad guy. That's stand, <laughs> yeah, standard bad guy for an action scene. Like, you kind of have to, whenever you're kind of putting someone in that spot as, like, a writer, as a director, like, you can't have all 12 bad guys point the gun and shoot. Like, that doesn't make an interesting story. It doesn't make an interesting scene. Also, they had set up the set up beforehand and then paid it off even more at the end with not all of the guns were loaded or even had magazines in them. Mm-hmm. So some people would be, well, there are 12 guys, they all have guns, just point and shoot. But they had already established that they might not all actually be usable. Yeah, there was a good amount of melee weapons in there too. And those are the bits that I think I enjoyed more because that felt real. Every time guns came into play, it seemed like uh, Chris Hemsworth's character just had a spider sense or something where mm-hmm. he was always... Uh, like, just able He to... knew exactly when it was coming, and he could just, like, get in there within a split second. And, like, okay, he's good, but is he going to do that every single time somebody pulls a gun? Yeah. I think some of that just comes down to the choreography of the scenes, which makes sense because you have to give, like, reason... For the character to be able to get to his spot and not be killed. But in the same breath, like, it's one of those things, like, there are too many coincidental things that just make accidental 
circumstances not viable. But I definitely enjoyed that first scene, just some of the ways, like that first action scene, some of the ways that they like incorporated, like Levi said, the some guns don't have clips in them, and that's something they introduce right away. Um, whether or not it's like accurate throughout the movie, or whether or not it's something that they just used for that scene, I think it like it plays an important role in not only establishing like how the action scene can actually physically happen, it kind of explains that in a way that like doesn't explain away, but it kind of gives background to it. And it also kind of explains like how some of these like major, major, major um, crime lords in the fictional world kind of have this control and power of like, they seem ultra powerful, but in the end, like you see throughout the movie, um, like the main antagonist crime lord is um, recruiting children um, with weapons and there's another fight scene where it's all children attacking Chris Hemsworth, and it's it's a really odd thing to watch, yeah. like, but like that just kind of shows like it almost seems desperate in terms of like I have all of the power, but I don't have the backing to be able to provide everyone a gun that works. I just have enough to provide everyone a gun that looks scary. Yeah, that bringing up the the main quote unquote villain because it's one of those situations one where the villain and the hero never meet and two it's like who cares yeah because <laughs> um, I mean even when we get to the very end spoiler uh, Tyler character dies and um, the main bad guy gets just finished off in the last couple seconds by you know a, a little side scene where uh, Tyler's partner or you know recruiter person uh, Nick or Nikki whatever mm -hmm. um, she just goes into a bathroom and kills him <laughs> just kind of like write that off you know it, it didn't really matter I think to me certainly I don't know about anybody else in the audience but uh, but moving back to the, uh, the kids because I think there's a purposeful uh, build up where at the end of that first fight sequence that we we're talking about we have a kid scared, crying, I don't know if it was supposed to be implied that some of those people who were murdered are his family, um, but he aims a gun at uh, Tyler's character and it's empty. But then Tyler obviously just lets him go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, it explains a little bit about the character, but you would kind of already assume that if it's like the main character of an action movie that we're not going to hate him for killing the kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... So I think it was their way of introducing the idea of he's compassionate towards children. Yeah. But then they give it reason throughout, like mm -hmm. with you finding out that his son had died of cancer and that he kind of misses this child that he left to go off to war because he couldn't... He couldn't bear to watch himself lose his kid. Yeah. Um, so they kind of introduce that early in a way that kind of ignores the why is he compassionate, but then throw in why he's compassionate later. And I actually think that was something that I enjoyed the writing of, of how they... They're, like, a few things that early on they don't explain why they happen. You just, oh, he's a good guy, but then they explain it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was just a smart choice. But, again, overall, the writing's not excellent, so... <laughs> it's definitely an action, stereotypical action movie for the action scenes. Mm -hmm. Also, in that first action scene, the rake, absolutely brutal. Yeah. Just, 
I'm going to use three parts of this to beat someone with and then use the end of it to kill somebody with. And I... It, brutal. That is the only thing. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, moving on to basically the next action sequence, because I really do think this movie is just one sequence to the next, where there's not a whole lot of breathing room, just a little bit of character development in each of those resting points. And like we said, it's I feel like those points are kind of under underdone. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so he gets the kid out, and then he goes to a, the primary way to extract. They have a boat waiting, but then obviously it's not going to be that easy. The handler for the kid, uh, the character's name I think is uh, Saju, um, ends up basically double-crossing all the people who he hired to get the kid because he plans on killing them and then getting them out without having to pay, which is pretty standard or pretty good, solid uh, reasoning on his part, and it, yeah. it made him you know, pretty impressive too, like in comparison to uh, Chris's character. Yeah, it made sense, and then it also kind of set up this, like, air of, like, who is he actually working for? Because, like, you wouldn't think taking out the entire extraction team is something that somebody who just wants to protect this kid is going to do. Whether or not he can pay or not, like, at least get to that point, and then, like, you can take both of us captive until I can figure out a way to pay you. Like, that would be, like, a rational like, good guy thing to do, but it kind of sets up this character of, like, oh, no, he's killing everyone in the extraction team, and it kind of sets up this, is he double-crossing, like, his boss, and is his plan to, like, kill this kid, so that way, like, he swaps side to the other crime lord, or whatever it may be. It just kind of seems to give him an air of mystery of what his actual goal is. Yeah. But then... From that point, they make their way to the car chase, which I think I, I really enjoyed that car chase. Uh, it was a very interesting, you know, attempt at a one-shot, basically, which I know is broken up all the time by these pan shots, and they, they blur for a second, and that's all you need for a cut. Um, and I knew it was happening, so I, I wouldn't say it's like the smoothest thing ever, but I yeah. still thought, comparatively to other things I have seen, that it really felt, you know, like you were in the car, and that it wasn't your, your standard awesome car, it was like a piece of crap car, <laughs> and it seemed to behave like a piece of crap car, yeah. you know, so it felt like a more real car chase, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I think in that scene um, was one of my favorite action, like, motions of the cameras, where, like, they start panning around through the fight, and um, Tyler, Chris Hemsworth's character, goes, get in the car, and and the kid gets in the car, but we follow behind him in through the window as the car starts driving away. Mm -hmm. So, like, it almost feels like you sit down in the back seat as the car takes off. And yeah. it gives a really cool effect of, like, actually being put into the scenario. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that has to be probably one of my favorite camera movements I've seen in any sort of action movie or action scene. Um, just really neat how they pulled that off and that car chase I agree with you excellent um, the back and forths the two piece of crap cars chasing each other with the police right on their ass and it just it made sense in how everything was working in the action scene yeah and I appreciated a little bit of levity and like he's getting directions from the 
you know, his partner or whatever through the phone and, you know, he makes a wrong turn. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? And has to back up, but... Uh, yeah, and, like, the turn was, like, down an alleyway. Like, that, like, impossibly small. Like, he's going, I'd say, what, 60 miles an hour? Mm. And just, like, it's like, yeah, turn left. And <laughs> you missed it. And he's like, where? I didn't even see the alleyway whenever they first drove past it. I also liked the... There were some of the joking type of lightheartedness. The put your seatbelt on, kid. It's been on. You just drive crazy. <laughs> yeah, see, that was like some of the good chemistry that I thought was going to keep building. Like, they'd have more of a sense of humor, especially since I've seen uh, Chris Hemsworth do such a great job on the humor department and in comedies and such. Or, you know, the combinations like Thor Ragnarok, where it's both funny, but it's also an action film. I thought I was going to get more of that, but. Um, the car chase was probably the, the high point, I think, for that kind of dialogue between yeah. the two. Okay, but then after the car chase, we get to uh, a hallway. Um, I'm going to say they start, like, fighting in the streets and then end up running through, like, a hotel or apartment complex. Yeah. But it's like they get into the car crash, and then I thought what one thing that was interesting was that you lose track of where the main characters are. And instead, we end up following cops into the building, mm. like, searching for the main characters. And I mm -hmm. thought that was an interesting take. And then, you know, you get that cool kind of out-of-nowhere surprise kill from the main character. Oh, there he is again, and he just took that guy out like nothing. Um, and yeah, again, more solid work. It really kind of reminded me of some of the kind of hallway fights and, and stuff from Cap Captain America, especially kind of the close quarters hand combat stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they make their way back outside again, and then another fight uh, with the they pull out the knives, I think, and that was a pretty cool knife fight. Can't really think of too much specifics about it though, off the top. Yeah, of my head. it was like a really well choreographed yeah. fight, um, and then it ends with. Chris Hemsworth getting hit by a car, and then the other character then gets hit by a car. Yeah. Being driven by Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. By, yeah. It just, like, you're like, oh, like, Chris Hemsworth just got hit by a car. That's it. And then two seconds later, Chris Hemsworth is driving a massive-ass truck and plows this dude over. And you're like, oh, he's dead now. And it, he's not. Like, <laughs> he, he gets back up later and ends up chasing back in the truck. And I think it leads again into like following that car they end up in another like car chase with the police following them it was like a military truck that like is meant to just transport troops and so there's another one of those following behind with like three other cop cars and he just kind of reaches a point where there's this bridge and he's like hey i need you to jump when i say jump and the kid's like what what are you doing no 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 jump on and, three one and jump <laughs> yeah and so, like, you jump out and, like, the car explodes because, I don't know, Movies. cinema movie. <laughs> I, but, like, it was fun to watch that car explode and, like, then you go back to the drug, or the uh, crime lord who's like, I want to see their bodies before, like, you say they're dead because, I don't know, crazy shit happens. This is an action movie. Yeah. Um, and so they end up going into hiding after that and that's kind of where, like, the movie kind of lulls and you get a like a bunch of consecutive scenes that are just character development um, and poor writing. 
Because <laughs> you get this is the midpoint basically of the movie. I, I double checked kind of like as I was going through. Was, How much long, longer is this movie at this point? Because it finally slowed down for a second, and I was like, oh man, this is already halfway. Because here's the point of no return basically, where he has to decide he's sticking with the kid and not just getting out by himself. Which, I mean, if it felt like a decision that he would make because again you know just because he's an action hero and we kind of assume he's not going to abandon a kid i don't really know so much about the character himself that it was like an earned moment like he really needed to take care of the kid i i believe it because like i said it's, it's not really a high bar to set yeah i feel like you know what i mean let's say because this is when they're in like that little booth or whatever yeah and he's talking to the I'm just going to call her the manager, because that's what she did. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, calls him, hey, we didn't get the money, leave the kid and get out. And another one of those, you're not going to leave, the kid goes, you're not going to leave me, are you? And Chris just looks at him, and he goes, your phone's really loud. And I'm like, that, it's kind of funny, because I've met people that yeah. are the exact same way. Like, I can overhear people's phone calls, and I got a chuckle out of that one. It was, like you said, it's... It's an action. The hero is... You're supposed to root for the hero, so I was not expecting him to go, yeah, bye, kid. <laughs> yeah, like, it just wouldn't have made sense for him to try to get himself out and that be it. Um, right. So, like, it makes sense in terms of, like, plot development. And from a character standpoint, it makes sense in terms of, like, he kind of has this conflicted code of, like, I've already let my kid die without me being there. Like, I kind of would feel bad about leaving another kid abandoned to die. Like, he's trying... It seems like he's trying to make up for his past actions of abandoning someone. Right. And I think it kind of works, but it's it's a little faulty, and at least for me, where the comparison is uh, he wasn't brave in his own son's death because he couldn't do anything about it. Um, in this situation, even though the odds are completely stacked against him, we will find out that he can... <laughs> in this situation do something about it mm -hmm. um and that's a different sort of bravery to me you know a different sort of you know yeah whatever but it is what it is and then they finally move on and you mentioned this that there's a fight sequence in an alley with a bunch of kids which i actually kind of enjoyed because it was a different take again on a fight sequence because since he's fighting kids he's non-lethal everything he's doing is just He's maiming them. <laughs> oh, definitely. Shattering and, a... And, and <laughs> slapping a kid over and over again. Hey, but... <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, you know, instead of going for the easy kills for this character, which he could easily do, he just, you know, traps a kid's arm in a, a van sliding door or whatever, or, you know, like I said, all the slaps that were just perfectly timed. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very much a good break in terms of, like, you go from the typical action, like, it can get, like, stale if you just do the same thing over and over, which I had a lot of issues with most action movies because yeah. that's what it does. Right. Um, but this broke it up really well with that, just the child fight scene of, like, here's a bunch of kids, do what you can. And, like, the most violent he gets is he takes one kid, which is the oldest kid, mm -hmm. um, and he bashes his head into a car window and it shatters, like... That's the most violent he gets, and, like, most of them, after, like, they get hit once or twice, they kind of just go, yeah, never mind, and run away. And it's just, like, one of those, like, it's a comedy relief scene, in a sense, 
um, while still providing like that action that you would expect from the movie. But uh, once they deal with the kids, they move on to uh, basically the, the real time where they have uh, character development, or at least they were supposed to. They have a little sit-down time by the bed or whatever. The kid's going to sleep or about to get some rest, whatever, and they talk. But it, it felt so unnatural for me, this conversation, because the kid is just asking him everything you think the plot needs him to ask. Like... Yeah. How old was your kid? How did he die? Were you there? Sure. And I was like, one, why is this? Why is he asking all these questions? Two, why is uh, uh, the main character answering all these questions so easily? And it like that moment, and that's that's the problem for me in this film, where it's that moment was supposed to be the moment of real connection, of understanding, of tying everything together, and it didn't work for me. Yeah. So I wish they would have done a little bit more to set up like the that scene from they had like the scene in the sewers where the Chris called him kid again and so he, my name's Avi hi nice to meet you I'm whatever Tyler I think is Chris's name yeah and so it was just they set it up it was more a little comedic just kind of like Chris knows your name he made you say it on the recording to send to whoever and um so I, I enjoyed that little little scene it was kind of fun but i wish they would have built on it a little bit more and prepared yeah. to and that's that's what kind of bugs me because you, you keep pointing out these scene or these little bits of dialogue that do work really well and if they just like kept that that yeah i think it would have been great it could have been like a really stellar action movie as it is it's still great action like we keep saying but could have been a, a it, better written action movie. It could have been a greater, greater character story. Um. Yeah. It, in all the ways that this movie succeeds, it, it's the stereotype of, like, it succeeds in all these great things, but in every single great thing, the exact opposite fails. So, like, you've got great action. Mm -hmm. So the stereotype is, like, oh, there's no character development. And it, like, it hits both those points. <laughs> like, oh, like, there's, like, really good camera work, but then, like, what's the opposite to that? Well, there, there really isn't. Not much really but good dialogue. <laughs> dialogue fails. Like, where, like, the choreography is great, the script is not. Like, it, it just seems to go back and forth on that. Like, whatever is really great about it, there's something that is really bad about it. Like, it is not a movie of middles. It it has really high highs and really low lows. <laughs> right. Um, just to wrap it up, uh, the, the final confrontation is uh, across a bridge, basically the very last, you know, pathway to get him out. There's an interesting bit of right before that to, to help him across the path. He makes, like, a truce with uh, Saju, the, the assistant character, the guy, who, the kid who or the guy who was watching after the kid originally mm -hmm. and has been causing havoc, all of a sudden gets called in and they're on the same team. Which I think has been done certain ways in, in action movies. I thought it was kind of a cool beat, but at the same time I was like, would he do that though? Because does he have enough information to really make that call? Um, did the kid it, say that he trusted the other guy? Like, Yeah, um, it, it feels like instead of making a two and a half hour long movie that <laughs> made sense and like was written really well they made 
an hour and 55 minute long movie that was really good at action but doesn't exactly have all the plot points connected. That, that could probably be a pretty fair assessment. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say, there were some scenes to kind of set that up. He, I, um, I don't know the character's name, so, Soju. Saju. Saju. Um, there were points in time where within the vicinity of Tyler and Alvi, he killed the, either the police or certain people that were actively hunting them as well. And so it was weird. There, there could have been a setup not quite as developed as it should have been, but... Yeah, because it's, it's, he's obviously not on the exact same side as the, the people who are, you know, the city, the, the main bad guy, but, um, but again, why would he think that this guy wouldn't just shoot him <laughs> yeah, or does he, I guess he's just confident that like if that were to happen, he would probably still win the fight and then just go in it by himself. <laughs> but but yeah. I don't know. It, it was it, it felt a little rushed. It felt a little rushed, and they kind of explained it away. Like while they're sitting in the car, um, uh, Raju looks at the kid and goes, "Do you trust him?" And he yeah. goes, "Yes." And he's like, "Good, you better." Like, this better work kind of thing. Like, yeah. I hope he's trustworthy. I feel like that could have worked better if it was reversed, though. If it was originally, like, before they meet up with him, if it was Chris in the car. With, I, I agree, and it it's just one of those things, poor writing. But then you get past that scene, and you come up with this great action scene of mm -hmm. crossing the bridge, which, you know, kind of stereotypical, like the gotta-get-the-package-across-the-bridge action scene. But they did it really, really well. Um, and I think the fact that they had uh, Raju and the kid, um, if I'm saying that wrong, sorry, <laughs> but um, they have him and the kid go across first um, and then kind of have Tyler, Chris Hemsworth character, coming back, following behind, like trying to get the backup to help. I think doing it that way was something that was really good um, because I feel like sometimes you get that action movie where it's like, yeah, we're going to have a plan and we're going to like throw something over there and it's going to explode mm -hmm. and it's going to distract everybody and all three of us are going to sneak in, um, which again just isn't realistic. You send off two or three people to investigate and keep two or three people at the gate, so to say, um, whereas like they had this really well-planned distraction to continue the distraction with a one-man army and then a one-man team to get him across the bridge um, with backup coming shortly after. I think it was, that was well-written, again, one of the action scenes. The action scenes were all well-written and well-choreographed and well-done. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did feel like that bridge just kept getting longer and longer every yeah, time. Because, yeah, because I, I would like to say, even though I think it was good and there was a lot of good, like, gunfire, there's some interesting bits with, like, the sniper who gets mm -hmm. introduced kind of as a really intimidating, kind of scary position. Um, but at this point in the movie, I was basically waiting for it to be over. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so every time the kid was basically, like, holding back and not just running to the other side, I was like, what are you doing? Just run. The guy told you what to do. Run to the other side. Yeah, just you know go. You're, you, know, you have one job. <laughs> Get to the other side. And it took him just way too long. Yeah. Um, but I, then, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, there's a point where, like, most of the threat is dealt with, and it still takes them ten minutes to get across the bridge. <laughs> like, it's like, the threat has been dealt with here. If you run, they won't catch you. Yeah. And, like, they won't see you, because they have to also make their way across the bridge. Yeah. So, it, I, yeah. <laughs> I'll agree there. Like, it, it dragged on, but then it dragged on and then led to this 
wonderful like set of both characters um, that die like as they proceed to their like final end it it really does come together nicely um, in terms of how that happens but again it does drag on because it's like yeah you're he his job was to take the fire so you could go and instead of doing that you just stopped like you'd go out and then hide in a car and then stay in that car and then go backwards and hide in the bus again like it just felt like that happened all the time with the kid um, but both character deaths are very satisfying and like kind of how it goes down um, you're obviously rooting for all of them to make it mm -hmm. but just it does make sense that they wouldn't make it right. um, just realistically um, and all of them kind of like their deaths have a purpose and I think that's kind of what they were going for as they were coming to the end mm -hmm. um, that's just my take on it I thought it was really I thought it was planned for them both to die well um, but it was also one of those things like it's oh yeah that's pretty predictable like they're gonna cross the bridge the kid's gonna make it nobody else is like <laughs> and it seems like it's one of those things like early on they had written that Tyler kind of has this death wish he doesn't really care like yeah. um, even like in the scene where he's being introduced and like jumping off the cliff like everybody's like you know that's pretty high and he just says fuck it and jumps it it's kind of like Tyler as a character is living as a man with no regard for his own life like yeah. he's already accepted like yeah I probably like I'm not a good person and if I die oh well mm -hmm. um, and so they kind of at the end it kind of leaves it in a point where like you feel like instead of him wanting to die he wants to live and continue on but he realizes he can't it so I could see that that reading of it but in, in my mind, like, I, I just couldn't get into it or I couldn't get over the fact that originally, you know, like you said, he's not afraid to die. And so, to me, the story is really about this character who's doing the best he can with what time he has left, um, knowing that he's going to end, end yeah. it in a poor way. <laughs> yeah. But that's what he wants. And if that works, that's what he wants, and he's helping somebody on the way, I, I think it's a pretty good and, and it's kind of a, a standard uh, action trope there it works it works uh, final thoughts we didn't even discuss the end scene of go the, for it of the kid. discuss the end scene so the Avi the kid is safe and is at some pool I don't know whether it's a school pool or just kind of a community pool or whatever because some of his friends are anyway tied to him he goes up and I thought they were going to put him all the way up at the very top of the diving uh, pillars yeah. because at the beginning of the movie, just like the <laughs> comparison of jumping off the top of the cliff to the top of the... But they made him at like the second highest one or whatever, and he just drops down the same way that Tyler did at the beginning of the movie and just sits at the bottom of the pool. And when he got up, there was... They had brought the camera up through the water with him, and there was some figure in the background that you couldn't quite tell who it was, but I just generally assumed that, that was Tyler in the background, whether in spirit or yeah, I not think I being saw dead. something about that where there's a reshoot or you know one of those situations where they had uh, alternate endings, mm -hmm. um, and the audience or certain people in the audience were getting bad readings of like they didn't like it that the main character died, so give that to the people to give them a little bit the more speculation ambiguous. Kind of ending to, so that they can have it whatever way they want. Yeah. 
Um, it was one of those things. I did a little bit of research on it after I watched it because I was like, "There's no way that was Tyler. Like he was definitely dead. Right. He got shot through yeah. the neck. Like he's dead." <laughs> um, and like I looked it up, and it was something where the director was like, "Yeah, we sent it for like test viewings," and half the responses were like, "I like I hated the fact he died. I did not like the movie because he died," mm. and then half of them were like. I appreciated the fact that the main character died. I, like, I was rooting for him not to die, but, like, you know, like, I understand that, like, that's how this goes sometimes. And so I appreciated that, like, they included the ambiguous ending. I appreciate the parallels in it. Um, and it, it's one of those things, like, the director himself said, it's up to your interpretation. However, my interpretation is that he had died and passed on, and this is kind of um, the kid's way of remembering and recalling. Um, and so I think that's, that's my opinion of it. That's kind of how I would look at it. That's how, as I was watching it, I was like, it's not an actual person. Um, like he clearly is looking over and kind of remembering this person who has saved him and taught him a little bit about how to be brave, I guess. Um, but like it, it's an interesting scene. I like how ambiguous it is, but I kind of... I would have rather them just kind of, like, let it end with the death happening. That's just me. Um, mm. Because, like, in if you leave it ambiguous and kind of leave it as this, like, well, he could be alive, how could he be alive? <laughs> like, if he had been shot in, like, the shoulder after taking all those wounds and kind of been like, yep, nope, that's it, and, like, was standing near the rail and fell over, then I could understand, like... Yeah, like, he he's probably dead, but you could survive that fall. You can survive being shot in the shoulder. You can be survive being shot multiple times, and then in the shoulder, and then falling off. Not very likely, but it's plausible. But it seemed like they kind of just, yeah, no. Like, he might be alive, he might not be, but that's up for you. And it just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just... I don't get it because I feel like this movie is supposed to be centered around a little piece of wisdom that the kid gives out where he says uh, uh, you don't drown by falling into a river but by staying submerged in it and that's sort of like supposed to be okay the character who's been in war and fighting for so many years and he's just stuck in that killing 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 and he can't do anything else he can't escape his depression he can't escape what he did to it or what he how he left his son when his son died um and he needs to get out of that river which he does by dying so great and then like i said this kid who's having some sort of transformation he had the wisdom in, himself to fix you know mm -hmm. he knows the cure to not to being brave you know just try to do something else and i guess that just kind of happened to him over the course of events but i just feel like a lot there there was a lot more that could have been done to make this story better but that being said, if you got time to spare, go for it. Especially if you like action sequences. Yeah. Overall, not my favorite movie. I would not classify it as a good movie. Um, but it's a movie, like, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I got to see those fight scenes. Would I watch it again? Maybe. Like, if somebody's like, hey, have you seen that? I'd be like, yeah, I have. They're like, well, would you watch it? I'd be like, yeah, probably. Like, I would watch it with somebody, but I'm not going to, like, go out of my way to rewatch it or anything. That would be my final takeaway is just, it's all right. It's worth watching for the action scenes. If you want to, you can just Google on YouTube the action scenes. Maybe that'll 
like you'll get your action fill without watching the whole movie that's up to you but I would definitely like yeah watch it watch it once but don't have super high expectations I would say it was entertaining that's there are some movies that are cinematic masterpieces and there are others that are yeah there was entertaining and it definitely falls into the more entertainment rather than um, supreme quality but especially if action's your thing it's a good it's a good film to watch alright that will do it for them <laughs> uh, let's get this wrapped up if you guys want to get in contact with us we are sit down for real on Facebook Twitter and Gmail we appreciate your support and definitely want to hear from you uh, thanks to BDB Films and our crew for helping out the podcast whenever they can. Thanks to Dylan for taking care of all of our audio work. Thanks to my guests, and thank you for listening. Extra thanks to those who like, subscribe, and leave a nice review wherever you find us. It means a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll save your spot till next time. Goodbye. Yeah, man. About a lot of headshots, right? <laughs> yeah. So many. Like, that entire bridge scene, it's like, headshot, headshot, headshot. I'm like, that's... We're still here. Thanks for hanging out with us while we talk movies. But now we want to hear from you. If you have a comment, send it our way. Did we forget something or make a mistake? Call us out on it. Do you have a movie you really want us to review? Let us know what it is, and we'll get to it. Whether you have a question about filmmaking process or just want to know who we think would win in a fight between all the film characters of Martin Scorsese versus the characters of Quentin Tarantino, you ask us whatever you like, and we'll do our best to figure it out. So once more, we are Sit Down For Real, R-E-E-L, on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook. Your support means everything to us. Thanks for listening.